Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And this is a special show because it's our 150th show and it's going to air the last week of the month. And we're dedicating it to all you listeners and knowing that we care, we thought the last show should be about you and what you want to hear. So with that said, I welcome my writing partner and my partner in so many other things, Pat Pizzarelli. How you doing, everybody? And the brains behind all of us and and the younger one of all of us, Megan Haran. Hello. How are we doing tonight? Hooray for hooray. Yes, that was great. <laughs> Good job. Took me three years. Anyway. <laughs> there's, there's no sense rushing. Nope, exactly. nope, nope. All right. Well, let's get into what they want to hear. Yes, exactly. So as Gianni said, we are dedicating this episode to you, and that means a mailbag episode. Mailbag. So to all of our questions, first we have is from Ozzy for Gianni. There was an article recently in a newspaper regarding O'Neill De La Croce being an informant for the FBI. I know you had a close friendship with him. What's your reaction? In fact, uh, we are thinking of maybe doing a show on that topic. My reaction and knowing who he was, it's almost impossible for me to believe. But with that said, so many people, I mean, I mean... I've been. I was involved personally with the guy on some very heavy things, and I never got arrested. So I'm using that as a barometer. <laughs> Why didn't he inform on me? <laughs> but you know, we we may uh, use this as a, a show topic. So that's a great question, and thank you because uh, if you're interested, there must be other people wondering about that too. Because I think it spanned over 30 years, so supposedly, they said in the article. Yeah, yeah. What's your gut Long feeling? He, he did this. Anyway, yeah, we can look into that. And like you said, other people probably want to know, too. I want to know. Well, you knew him when you were on the job. Yeah. I mean, so. I never heard of him. No. But then and, again, no, that's you know, they didn't no. include me uh, on, on all the little secrets. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll do the research and uh, we'll do a show on it. Perfect. Thank you for the question. All right, on to the next one. Next is from Giselle for Pat. I read some of the books you've mentioned on the podcast. Do you have anything recent you can recommend? Funny you should ask, Giselle, but I just started something called Five Decembers. This is a uh, mystery thriller that takes place around the attack on Pearl Harbor in uh, 1941. I mean, this guy, his name is James Kestrel, K-E-S-T-R-E-L. I don't recommend books very often, except if they're my own. Uh, but this guy is a phenomenal writer. I, I can't say it's just it's one of the best books I've read in many years. If you're into mysteries, thrillers, and uh, noir, hard-boiled stories, you can't read this. It takes place over five years. And I'm, I'm in the process of reading it now. About halfway through. Highly recommended. Once again, five Decembers. So it's not, you didn't write the book? No, I wish I could. I don't think I could write that nearly as well as this guy. He's phenomenal. Really? I, I, I never heard of this guy. The story, it's fic, it's, uh, it's uh, fiction. Uh, he's just a captivating writer. I mean, I can't put the thing down. And uh, writers who read, and most writers do, you can't read for pleasure like you used to before you became a writer because you're always picking out mistakes. I could have done better than this. I would have done this differently. This guy is as perfect a writer as I have ever come across. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Highest recommendation, five Decembers. I have to get somebody to read it to me because I sleep after the second page. <laughs> <laughs> I think this will keep you awake. That said, you never know. All right. All right. Next is from George. George says, Johnny, I live near Pittsburgh and read that you were appearing at this year's SteelCon. Unfortunately, I couldn't make the event. Could you please share your experiences? Well, I'll tell you, that was a, a rude awakening. <laughs> Thank God I got guarantees. I never saw so many weird people in my life because 
during the three days, they have a costume contest going on. I've seen some ingenious costumes, and then I've seen some mothers basically soliciting their young daughters dressed as hookers, which I could <laughs> not believe. I mean, it was such a people-watching event. I almost said I'd pay them for to the be there, but I wouldn't. But <laughs> it was interesting. We'll never go again. Oh, that's it? Yeah, you know what? I, I looked at, you know... I mean, even though I was so protected and I'm wearing that, that thing that uh, Putin sent me, it the air around me, three, three feet around me and all of that stuff. It's just too much contact, too much. Yeah. And people. How, how many, were there thousands of people? Oh, there, my God, think? yeah. Thousands and thousands. How about your fans? How were they? Oh, they were great. I mean, uh, people that never saw me or met me before. I mean, I can't believe... I'm, I'm getting $40 a signature. I don't care what it's on. And guys are coming with uh, movie posters and this and that and a selfie with their own cameras, $40. So you're not getting out of there cheap. Yeah. And um, they were just lined up. Well, I, I would probably think that the highlight of your weekend was having dinner with uh, me and Susan. It definitely was, believe me. And the I old- couldn't have said it. I couldn't. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, was it, I only. I didn't know whether you wanted them to know you were with me, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I'll, I'll admit that I know you. Yeah, but but yeah. that was the only sane night I had, and, and then yeah, I wanted to go to my room Saturday night and have room service. But since COVID, they don't have it. Yeah. So, so I was forced to go back to that restaurant for the third oh, time. Oh, that's going to break your heart. I tell you, that was one of. The, I, I've been living around here for thirty years. I can say that's if it's not the best restaurant I've been to, it's in the top two. Well, yeah, thank you for finding it. And then I did my research. Tony Danza recommended it because he, we, I knew he was there the, the year before. So I called him. I said, Tony, what are you? Which restaurant? He's oh, Coast in Maine. Coast in Maine. Gotta have yeah. the crab cakes, which Susan yeah. had. You, I had the yeah, just, three I, nights in a row as an appetizer. <laughs> I was yeah, place was great. Absolutely great. But as a warning, it's not cheap. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Once again, th- uh, thank you for dinner. Are you kidding? It was my pleasure. The wine was oh. not too bad either. That was great, great stuff. And, you know, I was happy we got a room there. Uh, if I would have drove home, I would have got locked up. Well, I didn't know that. We, thank God you got a room too. You oh, could, yeah. I, you could have I, slept I, I, in I, my I, couch. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I, was, I wasn't going to drive. No, that's that smart of you. a good idea. Yeah, I had a wonderful time. All we were missing is Megan. There you go. <laughs> you were you guys had a nice time. Oh. Oh. Yeah, the food well, is phenomenal. A little, little far from Pittsburgh. That's great. Yeah, it was good. Glad you guys. It's Coast in nice Maine. It's worth saying. Anybody's in the Pittsburgh area, try this Coast in Maine. Beautiful family. In fact, the whole family works there. The husband is the is the chef. The wife is the hostess. The sons and daughter on the desk and serving tables. The nieces and nephew. I'm talking about the whole family's there. <laughs> and very professional. Very professional. Good All right. stuff. Moving on. I'm going. <laughs> All right. Next one is from Duke for Gianni. I recently listened to a podcast where the topic was about Frank Costello. The host said Costello was the most successful gangster in history. Do you agree with that statement? Was it Michael Franchese's show? Yeah. Yeah, I heard Michael just did a show on him. I would say he was for so many reasons because for our audiences that don't know, he was partners with Joe Kennedy during Prohibition. And it is known they both made $30 million in the 30s and then went on to a real estate portfolio that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And today, if he was alive, I don't know who's running it. I mean, he owns two Wall Street, a high-rise building. <laughs> I mean, I would say, and that's why I, between him and Maya, you know, I, there's so many gangsters we talk about. Again, I was privileged because I had Maya Lansky help me, Frank Costello, Tony Accardo, another brilliant man. And it's not, I mean, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it's, it's not the thugs that you read about 
like the John Gottis and these, you know, Sammy the Bulls and Tony Spalatros. These are really the main guys behind the brains of it all. You know, did no time. If they did it, it was brief. But I, I'd have to agree, Costello, and to me, just being alone, what he did for me, I know he has a lot of money. <laughs> All right. Next is from Susan. Susan says, Patrick, did you ever get comments from your current or former police colleagues about your connection to organized crime figures throughout your life? You know, it's, uh, it's the old thing about living in glass houses and throwing stones. If any, if I got any comments at all from people who were my peers, it was said in humor. Uh, when I was called down to internal affairs, they weren't so amusing. Uh, and and it, this <laughs> happened. No, this happened. Uh, well, I can recall the last time it happened. I was uh, having dinner with a. I think I mentioned this a while ago, with a uh, Chinese uh, fellow who I grew up with. Just coincidentally happened to be uh, a high-ranking member of Fu Ching. And it uh, doesn't make him a bad guy. I mean, I grew up with the guy. Somebody so people saw, who don't know what that is, will you explain Fu what? Fu Ching a, uh, is a Chinese gang. Uh, I was going to say a violent gang, but they were all violent. Are they associated to the Tongs? Well, the, the, the Chinese gangs were the uh, enforcers for the Tongs. Okay. The Tongs, the, the two main Tongs down there, Liang Liangs and the Hip Sings, they passed themselves off as uh, social organizations, fraternal organizations. Right. But they were the gangsters, and the Tongs did their enforcement. Well, I knew them well. Ch I mean, yeah, well, I, I was, you know, I, well, you, you should. Chinatown and Little Italy are no, one and the same. I, I, I went, I met them over there also. You know, they, yeah, they, but, you know, to answer your question, uh, I got heat occasionally from internal affairs, but the people that I uh, worked with, they knew people too. I mean, but, you know, there's a fine line between cops and gangsters. If you're going to function as a police officer, you have to know these people. You know, you can't mm -hmm. make like the phone exist and you can't talk to them. You wouldn't get anything done. Well, it's very uh, similar so, to the entertainment world. If you yeah. don't know gangsters, well, you're not going to work anywhere because they own all the yeah. clubs. <laughs> Uh, one thing about uh, uh, organized crime, the mafia in particular, they treated police with great respect. Oh, my God, yeah. You, you served a, a search warrant on somebody's house. Uh, no matter who was home, if the wife was home, she invited you in for coffee, have some cake, relax, if I can help you out searching the place. I mean, very, very polite. Of course, there were the few that, you know, they spit on the search warrant and they yell and scream, but they, they were extremely rare. The professionals, the people that you were speaking of, the Accardos of the world, the Costellos of the world, treated the police with great deference. Mm. And it worked both ways. Great. Hmm. Well, what happened with you and IAB? Would that happen often? Did you get in a, yeah, into well, any heat often. with That's them? Like, or? I'd say toward the end of my illustrious career, like from 15 to 20 years, I was down there several times. Uh, but I gladly went down there. I had fun with this because I... I was doing nothing wrong. I, I was accused of a lot of things. But they, you know, they throw all these accusations at you, thinking that you're going to get scared, you're going to lose your pension, you're going to lose your job, and you start right. to talk to, to save your own hide. I, I just played with them. I had nothing to fear. So, You, you sound like Damn. Stabler from Megan's favorite show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, they, his character is modeled after me. I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> it sounds like it. it sounds about right. He got in uh, trouble with uh, one PP and IAB a couple times. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about that show, that show we just talked about, uh, mm -hmm. Steelcom. Uh, that ki yeah. that kid Raymond McDermott was there, who's the gangster. Oh, Dylan McDermott. Dylan, Dylan, yeah. What a nice guy. He was really? there. Yeah, he's a big star on that show, Organized Crime. Oh my God, yeah. Crime. What a gentleman. He's, why haven't you done our show? I said, because you're the gangster. Yeah, I met some interesting new people. He was a good, nice guy, though. Really nice guy. That's great. I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah, another one of my favorites. I know. Have him on the show. What's that? Have him on the show. About playing a gangster? It's not too far off. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if he will. I should have thought. It's also the Italians too. He's representing the Italians in that yeah. in I, that show. I, I think Megan's in favor of this. What do you think, Gianni? 
Why not? I think you're probably right about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Megan, you have the connection. I can call his agent. I can call his agent. There you go. See, you've got you've got the connection stronger than I have. You 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 run with that. All right, perfect. I would love it. Me too. All right, let's work on it. All right, next is from Fritz for Gianni and Patrick. As a lifelong New Yorker. As lifelong New Yorkers, plural, what's your impression of the new incoming mayor, Eric Adams? Do you think he can help with the current crime problems that are simply horrific? I'm in my 60s and have lived in the city all my life and have never seen it this bad when it comes to crime. Well, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to say that my cat could be a better mayor than than, than the current mayor, Mayor de Blasio. Oh, my he God. destroyed the city. Uh, his, uh, he, you know, he knows he's on the way out. His, his uh, term is up January 1st. Last week, he signed into law that uh, people that are not citizens can now vote in the city of New York. That's 800,000 people. He but signed they, they can only now, vote gonna, for the state officials, though. Not, yeah, right. Yeah. But there's going to be pushback on this. Yeah, but those, it's, it's getting thrown out as soon as he's out. <laughs> Of course, but the point is he did it anyway. You know, leave with a smile on your face and make people happy. See, he's running for president. He's running for governor. Governor. Oh, governor. Oh, that's right. You tried president already. He's running for governor, so he wants all those votes for those people think he's going to get them. That's how dumb he is. Guy's an idiot. As far as Eric Adams goes, he's a retired New York City Police Department captain, and he's already started to talk tough. He's going to, yeah. the, the crime problem in, in Manhattan, you, I don't have to, I'm preaching to the choir here. You live there. Oh it's horrendous. God. And uh, he's he's reinstituting uh, some of the units that de Blasio uh, disbanded in the defunding the police department push. Really? There was a unit anti-crime who uh, was very effective in getting guns off the street. De, de Blasio uh, abolished that unit, defunded the police uh, uh, budget by millions and millions of dollars. Adam says he's going to turn all that around, and I believe him. He's got to do too. something. You have yeah, to. I, I, I think it's a plus. No, I, I mean, like it's a, I mean, what's going on daily? It's like Chicago here right now. Yeah, it's terrible. All good questions, yeah, I mean, though. I like these. My mayors. two cities: it's New York and Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been horrible. This you know, I, Adams, before we get off the subject, Adams said two weeks ago, uh, I'm paraphrasing him from an article I read in the paper, if uh, Black Lives Matter thinks that they're going to uh, start a riot in my city, they're mistaken. I love now, it. Now, this is not what de Blasio said, and his uh, police commissioner puppet under him let the uh, rioters run wild, literally run wild. No arrests. They were police ordered not to make arrests. They took over the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, I can see a steam coming out of Adam's ears. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make a difference. He's African, African-American. He doesn't care. He's primarily a New Yorker. And he said, they're not going to take over my city. Good. Well, that's encouraging. Yes, it is. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. bought another gun. <laughs> you, you live in New York, you can never have enough. <laughs> Tell me about it. Oh, yeah, and Pat... You were saying how the the licensing are getting hard to get, and, and so yeah. everybody's waiting. I got yeah. my mine back already. Well, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, glad we have you on to uh, give us that advice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next is from Herman from for Patrick. Do you have any unusual stories about your time from Vietnam that stuck with you? It has to be for Patrick, because you and I weren't in Vietnam. <laughs> well, it, it was definitely it was all unusual. And I don't like to talk about war stories because it's depressing. But I wonder if our listeners ever heard of Adrian Cronauer. Uh, if you saw the movie uh, Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams, I believe he won an Academy Award for that. I that saw that movie. Show. I like it. Oh. True story of Adrian Cronauer, and for those of you who don't know who that is, he was a civilian disc jockey in, in, uh, in Saigon. He was brought in to raise the morale of the troops in the field. And the, 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 the military who was in Vietnam, uh, who was in Saigon, they had the life, the clubs, the bars, the hotels. But the, where the war was going on, they figured to raise the morale, he would have this radio show. And every morning at sunup, He'd scream into his microphone for us grunts in the field. Good morning, Vietnam. Well, let me tell you something, how friggin' annoying that got. 
after a while. We're sitting, we're, we're out in a in hundred degree heat, having showered in three weeks. Things crawling all over us, full mm. of mud, pissed off. People shooting at us, and this guy is with this Good Morning Vietnam, like it's a the best place in the world to be. So it got to the point where three soldiers, not from my unit, but three soldiers uh, went AWOL, armed themselves to the teeth, and went to Vietnam to blow this guy away. You believe this? Wow. Oh was that yeah, in the movie? Story. No, this was not in the movie. Oh, I was going to say. It was in the press. Uh, they they uh, Somebody tipped somebody off because they were talking about this for months. They just couldn't take them anymore. <laughs> so they said, we're going to go down. And this was, you know, you didn't get leaves in the combat zone. So they went AWOL and, uh, with guns and they were going down there to kill them. But they got locked up. Anyway, that's my unusual Vietnam story. That's unusual, right? Oh, I'll say. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I, I have a lot more, but I don't think we can talk about them. Please. No. We get arrested. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. On that note, next is from Jake. Jake says, all of you, if you could have one new guest on the show, who would it be? Good question. Who wants to go first? I answered last. Lady. I'm first. I'm stuck. Ladies first. Yeah, that's a good question. I got to think about well, this. Well, I mean, if it, would, if it was. I know who you I want. Hello. Who do you think? Haggerty. <laughs> Hargitay. Yes. I don't know if she would necessarily pertain to our Well, you, you named Hargitay. I knew a husband, father. It was Haggerty. That was his Ma name. Yeah, Mickey. Mickey Haggerty. Mickey Hargitay. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. Mr. Universe. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he never said um, Haritay. No, he didn't say he that. He didn't? No. Well, that's how Marishka says it. So I'm going of off. Of, I didn't know Mickey, but I've heard Marishka. No, I know um, yes, I think that would that would be my answer. I figured that would be. Definitely. How about how you about guys? Uh, Marilyn Monroe or Sinatra? No, they got to be alive. Oh, we well, didn't say that. Yeah. No, yeah. Somebody that we could realist, somewhat realistically actually have on. Um. Yeah. Realistically, who would I want here? Yeah, well, uh, when you're thinking about that, I'll jump in here. Please. I would like to have a real mob hitman, not identified, but to have him on the show and uh, talk about his life, and how he got into this, and why he's doing it. I could arrange that tomorrow morning. You never asked me. <laughs> you can get somebody anonymously to do this? Of I course. Put, put would, him in the shadows. Well, it would be great. It'd be great for uh, for ratings, and people would learn stuff because we know the questions to ask. No, I I I I did two shows. I had the privilege of doing a Merv Griffin show when they had uh, Teresa on, and oh, they, he was a rat at the time. But he was. I know, but he was a hit man. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, I don't care who. It no, I'm just I'm just saying this. That that I can go down Mulberry Street and get a couple of guys <laughs> who'd want to come. <laughs> I, I I think our audience would. Maybe I like do it down there, and we have his back to the camera all the time. Whatever we have to do, we yeah, do. Okay. Or that night, we we just wouldn't do video. That's all. It'd just be audio. Okay, perfect. How about you? Uh, alive. Well, have to be hard to talk yeah. to a dead person. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, get them on Zoom at least. I don't know, man. I really don't. I don't really favor anybody. Maybe De Niro, <laughs> just to cross-examine him, see how his mind is after this last two years. That'd be a tough interview. That could be interesting. No. I really don't. Well, you know. That's okay. I don't know. I guess honest. we'll see if uh, in the next hundred fifty episodes, which of those three we can make happen. Oh, yes. I'll make it happen. No problem. All right. Really? Let's All right. Go. Then we'll see. Next is from Jasper. Jasper says, Johnny and Patrick, other than the JFK assassination, what do you think is the most baffling unsolved crime in the last 100 years that may have been orchestrated by organized crime? Well, I, I, I got something right off the top of my head. Uh, the French Connection, uh, those of you who saw the movie, it was based on a real case. Uh, at that time of this, uh, it was a heroin seizure that uh, came here from France and they seized the heroin and it was the largest seizure up until that time. 
of uh, of heroin and subsequently they made a movie out of it and everybody heard of the French Connection. But those drugs were labeled as evidence, which happens in all cases, and they, they were delivered to the NYPD property clerk. And uh, when a police officer has to testify in court and there's evidence involved, he has to go to the property clerk and sign the evidence out. So somebody went down there, identified himself as a police officer, signed out 100 pounds of heroin, and they never saw it again. Well, that's and pretty dumb on them. That's... Well, they never saw Well, you know, when you do something over and over for over 100 years, and it seems to work, and somebody had the bright idea of getting that heroin out of there, and it was so simple, you flash a tin, you know, a shield, a badge, whatever you want to call it, and you sign your name. After that, it's like a third degree fingerprint, photographs, everything. But well, 100 then, pounds of heroin, just the street value alone. Oh, well, hundreds of millions of dollars. Of pure I know. How do you just let somebody walk out with it? Well, anything you, you know, I was on the job at that time. Any any evidence in a case, you just show the paperwork, which you can t- type up and bring it in. And the the, the, the property clerk, who was a, uh, a police officer, uh, finds out where it is. and just gives it to you. And at the end of the day, you sign it back in. It's been done thousands, thousands, thousands of times. This time, uh, the person wasn't a cop. Somebody planned this carefully, and they never got that back. They never had a hint of who could have done this. Jesus, that's wild. So with, well, they assume uh, uh, some faction of organized crime. And at that time, it was in the 70s, so the Italians ran everything. Yeah. And they figured, uh, this, is, this is a nice score. The security sucks. Wow. That's the, the only unsolved crime I can think of. They never even had a suspect. Mm. Oh, it said unsolved crime? I didn't know. Unsolved, that. yeah. Unsolved. unsolved. Oh, okay. No, all right. Well, I'm blank on that, unsolved. Well, they, the, the other, well, it's not unsolved, but I, I think Jimmy Burke was brilliant with the Lufthansa deal. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, there couldn't be anybody to arrest because he killed them all. I know. So that's unsolved. <laughs> and nobody yeah, they, found the money. That's you know, they have, uh, uh, there's one 88-year-old guy that they just let out of, out of jail for something and that they said uh, he was involved in it. That's not going anywhere. It's like, you know, where's Jimmy Hoffa buried? Hey, that's a good topic for a show. Yeah, oh. you should do a show on that. Let's work on this. <laughs> but I, I, I've given a lot of thought to that heroin thing and... Uh, I doubt very much whether it was a cop, because somebody would have known him. That is uh, the dumbest thing in the world, though. Jesus. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Anyway, moving on. All right. Next is from Carl. Carl says, I'm interested in organized crime history, and I find your podcast invaluable. I have a question about induction into the mafia. Must a proposed member kill someone to be made? If not a requirement, does it help? Do you have any examples? Well, we know many people who never killed anyone, but they're big earners. Yeah, exactly. If you are a big earner, you are welcome with open arms. Come on in, boy. (laughs) In fact, you and I were discussing this the other night uh, over dinner, and we should remember this because it was only on our second bottle of wine. So we were talking about that restaurateur who we both know. Oh, yeah. Captain. Recall yep. this guy uh, never hurt. I, I doubt he ever hurt anybody's feelings. This guy. He was a, he was a, you know, <laughs> I like <laughs> that. He never hurt anybody's but, feelings. I like that. No, I he was a nice guy. I I loved him. You know, I had my wedding reception in his place. But anyway, uh, well, we could mention his first name, Joe. What a gentleman. Well, yeah, I spent know, a so lot of time answer, there too. It's a good place. You know, to give an example uh, of that area, like Johnny was saying. Show us the money. If you can bring money in, you don't have to kill anybody. They'll kill somebody for you to get you in, you know, but they're not going to uh, ask you to kill anybody. This particular guy was a brilliant businessman, and he, he actually got ranked. He was a captain. I, don't, yeah. I, I think a captain, captain without a crew. He didn't have a crew. I think they just gave him the rank. But uh, on the other end of the coin, when Carlo Gambino's nephew was kidnapped in the early 70s, he put out the word uh, that question, no questions asked. He wanted the guy that kidnapped his nephew and killed him, by the way. His body was discovered soon after. John Gotti 
wanting to get into the good graces. Now, I don't think he was made then. I think he was an associate or he was made and they made a, 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 a captain. But I don't think he was made at that time. He went into a bar in Staten Island and a guy named McBratley was bragging that he was the guy who kidnapped Carlo Gambino's nephew. And in front of 40 witnesses, Gotti went up to him and executed him, turned himself in. I think he got four years manslaughter. And when he got out, uh, Gambino was very thankful and he made him. So there's two sides to that coin. Yeah. You know, it, what can you do for them? Well, the bottom line, he was a big earner as, as, a, as a, a hijacker. And O'Neill yeah. was his rabbi. O'Neill yeah. was the one who uh, brought him in. O'Neill made... Uh, yeah. You know, to, to kill somebody in front of all those witnesses, he didn't care whether he got caught. This was his stepping stone to ascend in, in the mob. So Gambino were rewarded him. He loved him. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, that, that's a dedication to get in the mob. I, I wouldn't I'll take say. that chance. He could have got life. They got him on, uh, well, who, who knows what happened in court, but the you know, four years for an execution, you know, like you're saying, wait till the guy leaves the joint or goes to the bathroom. And, and, well, that's what I'm saying. And still take he, credit he wanted, for it. He, he wanted to show Gambino he was a tough guy and he would do anything for the boss. He doesn't care who what, who was watching and how much time he did. And he was he was paid back. So That's amazing. Either way, somebody or not, if you're a value, you get in. All right. Next is from Eddie. Eddie says, in the future, do you foresee any violent major mafia wars as have occurred in the past? How about wars with other ethnic organized criminal gangs? Well, they, I, think, I think they're going on constantly. Swiss no, I, gangs. I get you guys talking about major wars, bodies all over the street. Like the last one we had was in the early 90s. Yeah, they would be major headlines. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't think so because... The, 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 the mob is trying to survive and to get involved in a shooting war could only hurt business and they're not as strong as they used to be I don't think so what do you think Johnny nope I don't think so at all yeah, yeah. I think it's all yeah. over mm. yeah those days are gone do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing oh I think it's well, a good it's, thing for the society I mean it's yeah. better to do business under the radar than having a picture splashed all over the press because right. then the, the police department gets their marching orders. You know, to, to, for the mayor, it's embarrassing. But they start locking everybody up for anything. You know, all these gamblers that you let go all your life because who cares about gambling? You're told to go out and lock them up just to create turmoil. Yeah. So who needs that? All right. Next is from Jeannie. Gianni, I know it's been said that the mob is totally out of Las Vegas, but with all the illegal opportunities that can be made available, do you think... Available there, do you think this is the truth? I know it's the truth. No, it's really? all, they're gone. They're definitely gone. I mean, the gaming commission is more sophisticated than ever. Every count room is mirrored and, and, and wired. No, it's over. It's over. Spalatro was the last one to destroy it. There's not enough opportunity for illegal activity or? Where? How? Or they just moved on. Okay. Every dime is Too counted. Much technology. Yeah, that helps. Yep. Surveillance. Makes sense, yeah. And the Gaming Commission has cameras in every casino. They control the eye in the sky, as they call it. And every casino has, because their ceilings are wired. Are there ways to use new technology to create ways around that? or? I'm sure somebody will come up with a scheme, but it ain't going to last long. I don't know. I mean... They've come up with electrified girdles that count to you while you're the big player at the table and, and by pulsing, letting you know, especially in Bach Rock, because the count, the, the, the count is, you know, nine is the highest numbers you can have out of three cards. has to add up to nine. So then they said that game was the, the easiest game, and yet nobody ever beat it. Didn't tear down any buildings yet. <laughs> no, I don't think that could ever happen. I, I agree with Johnny. The, the, uh, the technology, facial recognition is instantaneous now. Everything. Fact, uh, the police departments have it. I mean, most law enforcement has it. Guaranteed that the, the casinos have the best of facial recognition software. Oh, yeah. 
Mm. Somebody walks okay. in. Just count, counting yeah. cards, you know, stupid things like that, which mean nothing. It's, uh, well, I mean, how, what are you going to make? It, it, it's basically disorganized. You can't do it. Yeah. Disorganized card. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Next is from Gina. Gina says, Gianni, I loved hearing the episodes dedicated to your music. What would you say is your favorite song you've ever recorded or performed live? Well, I, I, I mentioned it, I think, when, when we just talked about it. And we, I, we think we talked about it to at dinner the other night. I, yeah. I really loved singing when I was 17. Because chronologically, it was a great story to tell. And the person, I think, who got the most accolades was the guy who taught me how to sing was Frank Sinatra. And then to have his daughters compliment me up in the um, vibrato, they were there and I was singing it and, and they called me to the table. So I, I think that... And then the dedication to Ava Gardner all the time that Frank asked me, you know, all the way. So the, those two songs are, will always be very important to me. They're good ones. Thank you. All right. Next is from Debbie. Gianni, what do you say to the people who doubt that most of your stories are true? I say nothing to them. Who cares? <laughs> you know, uh, when you write a book, a memoir, that's the easy part. When you finish with the book, the uh, publisher's lawyers get all of it. It's, it's called a vetting process. And they have to approve of everything before anything goes on that page. So everything is vetted to the degree that it, that, that, that it can be vetted, of course. But this is the you know internet age, computers. There's, there's, there's proof of everything, if, if you look hard enough. And they will dig and dig and dig. And if they have a doubt that anything wasn't true, they won't let you put it in a book. They pull it out of the book. They don't yeah, want the lawsuits. I've, I've written 10 books. And uh, you have to fight with these people sometimes. It's, you know, things are so evident. But they want to see it in black and white on paper or somewhere. So it's very difficult uh, to get. You know, you can self-publish a book and lie all you want. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, and we didn't self-publish it. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been I've been so used to guys talking about me all my life, and I don't know why, but but the bottom line, I think it was just jealous because the amount of money I've amassed, and obviously I have because look at the way I live and they don't. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I don't even <laughs> waste a minute. This is too too much time talking about it. That's that's how yeah. I feel about it. It's jealousy. That's Okay, Patrick, this is from Dennis. I think I remember you saying a while back that you did security for Yoko Ono. What was she like? How would you describe her personality? She was eccentric, uh, but a lot of entertainers are. That said, she was one of the nicest people I ever met. I mean, she, and this was right after John was killed, and we actually lived in the Dakota with her. We would do shifts. The shifts would last for a week. And she only wanted cops because uh, she and John loved cops. In fact, she almost bought the entire NYPD bulletproof vests until she embarrassed the city into buying them for us. But uh, I, I recall there was a time when we were so bored up there. We were young guys, and uh, she bought us gym equipment. Her apartment took up the whole eighth floor, so there was plenty of room. Wow. She was just a sweetheart. I, I always liked her. She was polite, respectful. I injured myself once in the gym, and I had bad sciatic nerve pain. I mean, really bad. Uh, it went all the way through the back of my head. I couldn't turn my head. So she sends me to her acupuncturist. His name is JJ. I'll never forget this guy. She brought him in from Japan and set him up in business on the east side. He's 86th Street. Couldn't speak a word of English. And I, I went there, and I just pointed. I, my back pain was horrible. He stuck uh, uh, acupuncture uh, needles in the soles of my feet. And I'm thinking, what's this guy crazy? That's, the, that's where the pain isn't, you know, right. and uh, he burned incense. And I figured, you know, Yoko's paying for all this. And she said, don't pay him. She says, he works for me. I walked out of there, a new person, no pain at all. Wow. So, and he, he, he never went near where the pain was. He went elsewhere. How old is and, he? Would he be today? Oh, uh, well, 
you know, hot. I think he was in. I was in my twenties. He had to be in his forties at least. Oh, already okay. So this was uh, John got killed in '84, I think, or something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, well, I, selfishly, I, really, I was hoping he was still in business. <laughs> there's a lot of acupuncturists around, but well, she, she just—they're they, good ones. That's the other thing, you know. Oh well, yeah. Who knows? I'll stick a pin anywhere and say, "Okay, right. you're cured." You know, uh, yeah. she was just very, very good to us. Very respectful. I liked her. That's great. All right. Also for Patrick, this is from Patty. Let's say at some point in your life you'd want to move back to NYC. What section would you choose and why? I like Manhattan a lot, but it's a nice place to visit. Uh, and uh, but I wouldn't want to live there. Uh, I, I like a little more elbow room. I mean, I like in backyards and swimming pools. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be I'd, I'd be in Manhattan every day. I love Greenwich Village. So look, let me think about this for two seconds. Okay, I thought about it. Okay, yeah, I'd love to live in Greenwich Village if I lived in Manhattan. If I lived in Queens, the Forest Hills area, Whitestone, it's almost like not living in the city. But Greenwich Village in Manhattan is probably my favorite place in New York City. I love it down there. And yes, who lives Guess who I can right attest to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's like its own little community. It always was. Uh, it, it's small. Yeah, jazz it's a little places. town in in the city. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. it's Everybody it's, describes it as that. Probably, probably where I'd go if I had the financial means of doing it. Yeah, I think I'm technically right at the top of it because I'm still on Fifth Avenue. It ends right at um, Washington Square Park for people who aren't familiar, and then basically Don't below tell that. Too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, of course not. They can't pinpoint it from that description. Um, yeah. Below that, it's McDougal Street. It's all those old school jazz places. Oh, yeah, you great. Know, live music, groove bars, and places that have been around for, I mean, at least that I've learned for a very I long mean, time. I mean, the gun so. club itself on McDougal Street. There was, a, there was a place in the village called Arthur's Tavern. And when I was an instructor in the police academy, We'd all go down there. There's a 10, 12 cops. Uh, a guy by the name of Crescido owned it. His nephew, Joe, was a police officer. Just died last week, in fact. He's a good friend of mine. But we never knew this. His uncle was a made guy. Hmm. He treated us like gold. Wow. And I, I was, you know, when we were doing uh, research on the uh, the mafia involved in the trash industry? Yeah. Yeah. Guy Crescido's name came up, and that's how I found out he was he was a made guy. Oh, interesting. all those years. He's long gone, but uh, I just love the village. This was a small neighborhood bar that had a jazz combo in it every night. Hmm. Right? It's just that's the type of area it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right. Next is from Denise. Gianni, if you could give a piece of advice to all young people out there, regardless of background or aspirations, what would it be? Follow your dreams and believe in yourself. That's my golden rule. It worked. Yeah. And and Simple work and... hard. Don't forget the work hard part. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's it. Yes, I'm following you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, I'm still dreaming, and I'm still we're, we're creating a new business, which you will all hear and literally hear <laughs> around <laughs> the world soon. <laughs> so it's just fun. Good stuff. All right, next is from Bill. We kind of touched on a question similar earlier, but we'll see if we come up with any new answers. This is from Bill. It says, Gianni, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Patrick and Megan, how about you? Dead or alive? See, this is a broader scope. Uh, yes. Yeah, I yes, want the same two true. people, Marilyn and, and Frank, at the same table, one more time. I'd like, right. I'd, like, I'd like Winston Churchill. I think he was one of the greatest humans that ever lived. It'd be How a boring you, dinner conversation. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think so. He was a live boy. I had a great sense of humor. And he, and, and he always grabbed a check. I appreciate that in a guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How about um, you, I think it's obvious my I, top answer would yeah. be Mariska Hargitay. Um, But I also really love Julie Andrews. I would love to, oh, wow. I knew her get well. to sit down with her. I really, really admire Julie Andrews. I was a big fan of... Um, Sound of Music and Mary Poppins and all those kinds of things I'm, growing I'm, up. So. One of my closest kids, I won't say his name, 
worked for Blake Edwards for years. Oh, really? And they had the, when they were on the lot at Fox, they had the office, the bungalow, and the a lot at Fox, Fox Studios. Huh. You'd see her there every day. They'd go to lunch, and she was, I mean, great, great lady, too. Yeah, she's like she's like Hollywood royalty to me. Right. That would be one that seems untouchable, but and I as would a love couple, to they were spend too. Some time with her. They were really very well uh, respected well and honored. Good choice. That's great. I love that. I love her. Okay, Gianni. As I'm, this is from Antonio. As I'm sure you're familiar with them, I will ask the question a bit differently than I had originally thought. That being said, are you close with any mob guys from Philadelphia, past or present? Yeah, past and present, yes. Yep. Not going to say who, obviously. <laughs> right, naturally. No, one one guy in particular, everybody knows, so I'll give you a hint, but no. No, I mean, uh, once, once you're around that life, you know, it's, it's just... And I, I like those kind of people, and they like me, fortunately, so I'm not going to not, you know, say hello or see them, you know. Right. All right. Next is from Rob. This is a message. He says, just listening to the latest podcast and thought it must be your birthday soon, Gianni. I hope you're well. Sounds like things are good in your life and you're always busy. Happy belated birthday. Greetings from Down Under. Oh, I know that family well. They really, not, in fact, the daughter was studying acting in New York, and I helped out as much as I could. But they used to come and see my show. They're, they're very successful people from Australia. He has a son, a daughter, and a wife. Very nice people. Oh, that's nice of them. It's perfect. They listen to the show all the time. That's, that's great. That is great. Love that. Well, hello, Rob. All right. I think we have time for one more. I think this one's a good one to end off with. This is from Jesse. As you close in on three years of podcasting, what do you see for the future of your, show, of your show? I never miss an episode. Listening to the three of you is like having a group of friends over. Keep up the good work. Well, that's a great compliment, first of all. Thank you. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And, um, Absolutely. Well, and, and that's how we feel about it, too. You know, we, we, I, I don't know what I'd be doing the nights that we do this, because I, I look forward to it, number one, and I think we've really met so many people. I, I know when I'm out, people stop me on the street, man, great podcast. And so, I mean, it, it's, I, first of all, I mean, you know, Pat and I are very much set in our ways now. <laughs> yeah, you know, least. but it, it's always something different, though. I mean, I, you know, I know people, obviously, most of my friends are about my age. They don't really want to do much. They don't want to innovate. They don't want to try something different. They say, yeah, I think this week I'll go see the grandkids or I'll mow the lawn. I said, well, you know, have a good time. You have a podcast like this and you're always innovating to see what you can do to improve the podcast and to improve the product. Now, we're always improving the product and we're always improving the podcast. I mean, it's what it's I like fun. about it is an example of what we just did. These spontaneous questions for you know, as you mature, you want your brain challenged. What yeah, happens to a lot of people, they just get set in their ways and it's a monotonous existence and their brain starts to react that way. And it's called Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as a writer, this is kind of a personal thing, but as a writer, I I, I sometimes think about if, if my brain goes, I'm screwed. You know, I mean, think about that. Oh, yeah. My, That's true. My brain is my livelihood. And well, I'm, I'm, all I'm, our I'm brains jogging. are. Without your brain, what are you going to do, really? Yeah, well, certain people don't care. They don't want, they don't, they don't. Oh, want yeah, to that's somebody. the thing. They don't care. Somebody once told me the best thing about Alzheimer's is you make new friends every day. Because so <laughs> you don't have it, obviously. Once, you know, yeah, yeah. It's don't one of the saddest things in the world. I've no, seen it, too many people who have it. Oh. So, what do we see for the podcast? I mean, what different guests, different topics. You know, if we would have thought, you know, think about this now, that the three of us were in uh, our first show or our second show, 
what are we going to be talking about three years from now? We're going to run out of stuff to talk about. We haven't even scratched the surface. Oh, now, and especially with the new stuff we're doing and we're getting invitations to do more and expand more, which you'll all be a part of, hopefully, and stay with us. No, and we we have you to thank, you know, because you you keep tuning in and uh, our audience is getting bigger. And uh, it's it's we feel the same way when we start talking. It's three friends, Just, and who else knows who's listening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's great stuff. What about well, you, Megan? You're the you're the young one here, and uh, what do I see in the future of the show? And do you, by the way, do you enjoy doing it after three years now? Of course I do. Oh, good. I mean, just the amount of of learning that I get to experience every time we sit down and do this it's been it's been an amazing experience for me good good absolutely we feel the so same to 100 way. to 150 episodes and 150 more here we are and thank all of our listeners for that we appreciate you god bless you happy new year that's apropos whatever holidays and whatever religious beliefs you have keep believing them man that's what the world needs, more faith. With that, I guess we'll say goodnight for another amazing year. We're going into 2022. Yeah. Wow. Here we come. Okay, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Hurrian, with questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. I should be together. Take this love I long to give you. I'll be at your side forever. Call me. Don't be afraid. You can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around.